let's go to Romans chapter 5. We're talking about reigning with Jesus, not reigning without Jesus, not reigning by ourselves, but reigning with Jesus in culture, in our generation. Come on, somebody. Can you say amen? Uh, Romans chapter 5, if I can find it, I'll read our text this morning, and uh, we'll dive in. We ready to dive in? Everybody good? So glad you're here? Good. Romans chapter 5, 17. All of chapter 5 is amazing, uh, but we've been grabbing the emphasis out of uh, chapter 5 and verse 17. By the way, they're passing around the baptismal clipboard. We've got a baptism coming up on June 28th, and so... Uh, That's coming through the rose right now. Let's read this, uh, and if you're looking with us on the screens or in your Bible, I'm in the New American Standard. For if by the transgression of the one, and here he's talking about Adam, uh, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the transgression of the one, if by that transgression death reigned through the one. In other words, you know, we were in Adam. And if you read all of chapter 5, you see this. We were in Adam when Adam fell, and so death came in through sin. That's a bummer. Death came in through sin, and then death reigned over mankind. And, And he says that came in through this transgression. And he says, if if that happened, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is one of those cool passages where he is comparing Jesus, the last Adam, to Adam, the first Adam. And he's saying death came in through transgression. Death came in through that one who fell. Death affected all of us. It affected all of mankind. It affected the planet. Romans chapter 8 says the whole planet was subjected to the curse and the death. I mean, this was a major cataclysmic change that happened. We know that shortly after, in Genesis 3, they're exited out of the garden. They were removed from the tree of life, and they were removed from the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge. Wow. It wasn't just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were removed from this sacred place where they were flourishing, where they were friends of God, where where they had fellowship and intimacy, where they were covered. And death then began to reign in all of the earth. So even as they moved and possessed, even as they went into lands, and as they began to build cities, death was reigning. Their lives were covered with the influence of death and the fear of death. Hebrews tells us the fear of death was pervasive throughout all of mankind. Now, Jesus comes along. He's the last Adam. He's not just the second Adam because we don't need another. Christ is enough for me. He is sufficient. He is the anointed one. He's amazing. 
Wow, we've entered into him. He comes as the last Adam to set things right, to bring redemption. He comes as the perfect man. He lives and dies not in his divinity. He lives and dies in his manhood as one who's been recreated in the image of the original Adam, one who has fellowship with God, one who's tempted in every way such as we are and such as men were, and yet was without sin. He lives now at the right hand of the Father to represent us. In His, not only in His divinity, but you have to understand, He lives to represent us in His manhood. That one who had, the one who has ascended, and the one who makes efficacy for us, and, and who is a high priest represent us, representing us, is Jesus the perfect man. This is an amazing thing. Uh, and, and so we have to think about, you know, Jesus is not failing in his mission. How many of you know that? Jesus is not failing in his mission. I got one amen, and that was my wife. Uh, I probably said it too fast. Jesus is not failing in his mission. He's not going to fail in his mission. He will absolutely win. And this is a confidence we need to have. Even as we read the Word, I encourage you, and if you come here, if you become a New Horizonite, you will be encouraged continuously to shift your view from one of negative to one of positive, to one of it's all going to hell in a handbasket, we can't wait to get out of here, to one that it is that we are going to watch exactly what Father said to Jesus, sit here at my right hand, until I subdue all of your enemies and put them under your feet. And 1 Corinthians 15, where, where it is declared that every enemy shall be subdued and the end won't come until the last enemy needs to be subdued, the last enemy being death. We're living in such a crazy season of unfolding victory after victory after victory. Jesus is ruling and reigning in culture, in life, in the world. His kingdom is expanding. We've entered into it. We've been made one with him. And, the, and, and there's only a few ways we can mess this up. And one is if we don't get in agreement with what he's up to. If we think he's losing, he'll continue to win, but we won't participate in it. Wow. Listen to Daniel chapter 2. I just, again, I'm just constantly wanting to convince you that you can trust in Him, that He is supreme, that He's powerful, that He's awesome, that He's bringing all things under His feet, and you are His feet. Listen to Daniel 4, uh, Daniel 2, excuse me. There's two visions that Daniel had of the end times. We're told, in, we're told over and over again that these are visions of the end. Seal these up. These are visions of the end. Uh, Daniel 2 is one of them. Daniel 7, one of them. Daniel 12 is one of them. Fact is, in Daniel 12, 43, it says that in the, it says these are visions of the end. Seal this up to the end. And it says knowledge will increase in the end. And I, I felt more like a baccalaureate today than anything because I'm going to talk about knowledge today. I'm going to talk about how Knowledge has been released. Are you grabbing it? Knowledge has been released. Are you grabbing it? 42% of Americans never read another book after college. 
42% of Americans never read another book after college. Now, maybe you've had good intentions. Maybe it's laying on the nightstand. Maybe you've actually completed five pages. I'm good at that. I'm the read five books at a time guy and get through at least five pages of them. Oh, yeah. But at least I've read a few. Come on, somebody. Knowledge, education, you've got a fine mind. You've got an amazing mind. And it's such a powerful weapon against the enemy. It's such a powerful weapon against the curse. It's such a powerful weapon for the next generation to build upon. Daniel chapter 2, let's go back to that. In the days of those kings, and he's talking here about four kingdoms, and by the way, he shows he has a, a vision of four kingdoms. The last kingdom is the Roman Empire. And he says, in the days of those kings, the Roman Empire, which is exactly what happened, by the way, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but itself will endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, that was one kingdom, the bronze, another kingdom, the clay and the silver and the gold, another kingdom, the great God is made known to the king. What will take place in the future so that the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy? Who is the stone? Who is the rock that the builders rejected? Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the stone that's been cut out without hands. And he is the stone that, that has, is crushing. Now, now, you look and you say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's 2015, and, and I don't see everything crushed yet. Does that make you supreme? Does that make your knowledge, your observation higher than all? I guarantee God will not fail in his assignment with Jesus. He will not fail in his assignment with Jesus. And this is such a secure, crazy, amazing kingdom to trust in, to enter into. Such a crazy, wonderful new nation, new kingdom to be a part of. We are called out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, nation, and people to be one new people unto our God. One new race, chosen people. Listen to Daniel 7. Is this okay? You like this? Is this all right? I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom which is one which will not be destroyed. Now, when do you think that was fulfilled? It says right around Luke 24, it says that 500 witnesses watched him ascend. And when he ascended, it, it says he went up in the clouds. And where do you think he was going? A, sta- a satellite space station in the sky? A Boeing intergalactical hub? 
Was he not going to the Father? Was he not ascending as our high priest and our representative? Daniel sees this hundreds of years before. In a vision, he sees a prophetic unfolding of Jesus ascending and a kingdom being given to him that will be superior to every kingdom and dominion given to him that will eclipse all dominions. That's our master. That's our Lord. That's our Savior. That's this wonderful one that we have been joined with. So guess what? He is reigning in culture. He's going to reign in this generation, and he's going to build on this generation into the next, and he is going to overcome, and he is he, his, his glory, his dominion, it knows no end. His victory knows no end. And we're partners in that. So how many of you know, it's, it's not like, it's not pride, it's not goofy, it's not weird, it's not religious, it's not, it's not strange for you to have within you the ambition, the desire to reign in life. It's actually Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's victory in you. It's victory in you. And we have to be careful because in religion... And through the influence of religion, there can, be, there can be an influence that tells us to calm down, that tells us to, uh, to be still, tells us to relax, get another Tommy Bahama shirt. Come on, Brother Joe. You and Austin, chill, relax, be cool, be calm. Which, of which Joe Sims is the opposite of, by the way. But Come on, he's a rainer in lifer. My point is that there can be an influence, even in religion, that says that that's a, that's a bad motive, dude. That's just pride. I'm telling you, Christ in you is a victorious spirit of dominion, of victory, of knowledge, of wisdom, of ambition, and you're, you're trying to calm down. Maybe you're trying to calm down the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 26, they had a hard time praying. Remember that? They went into the garden. They had a really hard time praying. And Jesus says, just carry with me for one hour. Could you just hang for one hour? They're falling asleep. Then he makes his statement. He says, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? Guess what? I think that's true about a lot more things than just praying. Have you tried to study science and fallen asleep? How'd you do in your math class? How about Spanish? How about on that trombone? You know, there's a lot of things. There's actually a lot of things that you're intended to conquer, you're intended to overcome, you're intended to excel in, and the Spirit is willing, but the flesh can be weak. Do not interpret the flesh being weak as it must not be the will of God. I need another lazy boy. I need more chill time. Get me some iced tea. Is there a Mike's Hard Lemonade somewhere in the building? 
Do not make that interpretation. That is not the conclusion. The Holy Spirit within you is longing with ambition to wake you up and to move you forward, to bring you to the very top of your culture. When we talk about you will reign in life, God can't do it by himself, and he won't do it without you. This is a partnership. You will reign in life. It's an ultimate fulfillment of what we've been reading in Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 puts flesh on the bones of Genesis 12. I'm going to bless you, and you shall be a great blessing. This is the promise to Abraham. Deuteronomy 28, he put flesh on it. You're going to be blessed going out. You're going to be blessed coming in. You're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the country. You're going to be blessed in your kneading bowl, your refrigerator, your countertop. You're going to be blessed in all that you put your hand to. You're going to lend and not borrow. You're going to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. He just puts all sorts of flesh on what the blessed life is in Deuteronomy 28. And the ultimate fulfillment... There's no other way to enter into that because he kept saying in Deuteronomy 28, if you follow the word of the Lord, if you obey the Lord, if you hearken to the voice of the Lord, well, guess who was and is the word made flesh? Guess who was that word that they were to follow in Deuteronomy 28? Jesus is that word that they were to follow. If we will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord, and the voice of the Lord, listen, I know we're in church. I'm going to mess with you really good. The voice of the Lord is not just spiritual. The voice of the Lord is not just spiritual. The voice of the Lord holds, and Colossians tells us this, as Paul writes to the Colossians, in him is the treasury of all wisdom. The voice of the Lord knows everything about electromagnetics, everything about chemistry, everything about science, everything about math. Come on, somebody. Did you know that the majority of discoveries and inventions have been through those who acknowledged Jesus as Lord and Savior? I'm talking about knowledge increasing, Daniel chapter 12, all the way from the time of Christ to the time of now, the overflow of the increase of knowledge We might say, what would we have done without the missionaries? We might say, what would we have done without the evangelist and the John Wesleys? What would we have done without the John Calvins? What would we have done without the, the Martin Luthers? What would we have done without those that brought us the Reformation? What, we, what would we have done without these great spiritual leaders? Listen, what would we have done without John Newton, Sir, Sir Isaac Newton, excuse me? What would we have done without so many who knew the Lord, who believed that God held the keys to knowledge, who believed that God would reveal to them insight and understanding? 
Wow. And, and I'm trying to say today that it is so powerful, so noble, so amazing, so wonderful for us to set our heart on knowledge. That, that reigning involves training. Reigning involves training. And that we, we prepare ourselves. Jesus said it this way, and, and we can grab this, and we have to understand even the way all of everything, every, the way everything is set up is the law of reciprocity, sowing and reaping. And Jesus said, out of the good treasure you put in your heart, you bring forth good things. What's the heart? Well, we know the heart to be at least mind, will, emotions, reasoning, imagination. You've got to put something in your heart for good to come out of your heart, yes? You put something good in your heart. And it's not just Scripture that is good. Scripture oversees all that is good. Scripture guides what is good. Scripture cares for what is good. Scripture ordains what is good. But God has knowledge in every field. God has knowledge in every field. And He has revealed those things, and He's still revealing that the next generation would build upon us. In the last 100 years of Nobel, Nobel Peace Prizes, between 1901 and 2000, 65.4% of Nobel, Nobel Prize laureates were identified as Christians. Overall, Christians have won 78.3% of all Nobel Prizes in peace. 72.5 in chemistry, 65.3 in physics, 62% in medicine, 54% in economics, 49.5% in all literature awards. That's just in the last 100 years. But if you look historically, from the time of Christ till the time of now, it will astound you how many believers in Jesus rocked the world and brought forth the things that we now enjoy and that now really make life normal. And what we have to be careful of is that though life now is enjoyable and easy, we have to be careful that we don't circumvent the next generation's growth, achievement, breakthroughs, because, number one, we make everything about God just spiritual. Did you know and I was just reading this week, and I can't give you the exact number. Uh, Byron could help me on the back row. Byron, how many 18 to 29-year-olds leave the church? 60 to 80%. 60 to 80% of 18 to 29-year-olds, when they hit that age, leave the church. Now, some of the reason is because the church has not had answers They've not had answers for some of the deeper questions of life. One of the things we said to you recently is that, that there's nothing secular, really. Everything is sacred. Everything is sacred. 
Everything we're doing, God has insight on it, wisdom on it. God created it. God releases it. God advances it. God makes it available. God is our source. When we sing, Christ is enough for me, it's not just for salvation. Second Peter 1, he gives us all things, everything we need for life and godliness. He is your sole source. He is your best coach. He is... He is your all in all. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Come on, musicians, there's greater things through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as you study music than you would have known. He is, he is the helper. You know what the Holy Spirit means, helper. And so we say, well, yeah, he's the helper. He's your spiritual helper. And we just, we cook everything down to spiritual. We cook everything down to church and religiondom. And so we think about the Holy Spirit being our helper. And we, we cook it right down to just where he just helps us in spiritual things. He helps in everything. There's nothing the helper, the Holy Spirit, does not want to help in. But we limit his help by not believing and not tapping into and not relying on His grace to abundantly flow in all that we're putting our hand to. Can you say amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, Lord Jesus, we love you. We want you to help us, Lord. I want you to help us. Oh, when we enter into resurrection life, we enter into something so sufficient, something so amazing, so amazing. This is really tough when you preach the sermon before the sermon. And you have to look and see what you already preached. Matthew 12, 35, the good man brings out of his good treasure that which is good. The evil brings forth out of his treasure that which is evil. Is it foolish in some ways to ask for greater blessings if we are giving Father nothing to bless? Seed time and harvest. It's seed time and harvest. Fill your heart with good seed. Fill your heart. When you are filling your mind, you are filling your heart with good seed, that good seed begins to work with other good seed within you. There becomes a synergy of good seed. Life is like a big giant puzzle, and you put some of those seeds in you, and you're thinking, this is stupid. This is like eating broccoli, okay? This is really boring without cheese sauce. And you're thinking, I don't know that I really need this, but pretty soon, a year or two later, you find another piece of the puzzle, and all at once, it starts working together. There comes a synergy within your soul as knowledge begins to hook on to knowledge and it begins to build together and understanding comes as knowledge hooks on to other knowledge and pieces of understanding bring forth the ability to walk in wisdom. This is, this is, this is how important, this is why it's so important that you sow knowledge within you. Sow knowledge within you. It's just a seed. It just seems small. It seems hard to digest. It just, but you're sowing knowledge. You're sowing knowledge. Pretty soon that knowledge is attached to more knowledge 
and a harvest comes. Everything works on this principle. And I think our greatest tool for reigning with Christ is our mind. Your greatest tool. What are you doing with your greatest tool? The greatest tool you have for reigning with Christ. By the way, what if Romans 5.17, what if it's an imperative? What if it's an imperative statement, not an option? Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. They will reign. What if that's an imperative? Hey, come on, you're called to reign. I'm not sure if I want to. Oh, really? Put that to death right now. I'm not sure if I've called to. Put that to death right now. I'm living a crucified life. I'm not living for my glory. I'm not living for myself. I'm not living for my dictates. You see, when I crawled into the waters of baptism, I crawled into a death relationship. I I crawled into a burial service. When I went into the waters of baptism, I put me to death. That is the rebellious me, the lazy me, the I, uh, uh, I really don't care me. What if it's an imperative? Am I messing with you now? Well, I don't like that. I don't think I want to go to this church anymore. They're really pushy around here. They want me to reign in life. I don't want to reign in life, all right? Now they're telling me Jesus wants me to reign in life, and then I got to do something to reign in life. Then I got to train to reign. I don't want to train to reign. I'm sick of training. (laughs) Hello, somebody. What if it's an imperative? What if he's not only saying you get to reign in life, what if he's saying you will reign in life? If you, if you cooperate and partner with my spirit in you, you will reign in life. Rise up, child of God. Dominion is living in you. Victory is living in you. Knowledge is living in you. Wisdom is living in you. Ambition is living in you. You got the dominant one who is victor. He wasn't just victorious over sin. He was victorious over the curse and the darkness that the curse brought to science, to discovery, to every field of study. Darkness covered it. When that darkness was broken, the blessing of knowledge began to invade the earth, and those who look to Him will taste it. They'll walk in it. Are we okay? Psychology article, uh, Psychology Today article on television's influence. If we hadn't picked on you effectively thus far, we shall move into round two. Television's influence. He didn't quote enough scriptures. I don't think we want to go back to that place. All right, let's quote a scripture. What shall we say? Romans chapter 6, shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. 
We are those who've died the sin, so how can we live in it, accept it any longer? Don't you know those of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like this, we certainly also shall be united with Him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to it because anyone who has died is set free from sin. Isn't that cool? You are free to grow, free to learn, free to excel, free to reign. I like that. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Galatians 3, understand then, Galatians 3 verse 7, that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jewish nations and people by faith. Everybody say by faith. And he announced this good news, this gospel in advance to Abraham saying to him, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the Word says the righteous will live by faith. And the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Do we even know how much freedom we have to learn, to grow, to excel, to lay hold? You know, when we compare ourselves with ourselves and ourselves aren't very cool, then we could really get fouled up. But what if we compared ourselves to what Christ has set or Jesus or God has set as the model, actually, and the model is Jesus? Ben, would you come and we want to close this morning? Psychology Today on television. It's an article. Television's role in influencing the mental and physical state of our society has been profound. Most people like to enjoy coming home at night and turning on the TV. Like any opiate, it's a way for us to get away from the stress of our day. In short term, TV seems to have a relaxing effect. Studies using functional MRIs during TV viewing have determined that humorous television programming can activate regions of the brain called the insular cortex, which are areas activated and needed for balanced mood. Unfortunately, 
long-term use of television seems to be where the problem comes in. Watching television over two hours per day and eating while watching television. That's associated with obesity. In our country, 60% of people are obese. And this obesity is a leading cause of a lower life expectancy, cardiovascular disease, cancer, and diabetes. Everybody said that wrong. It has been shown that each extra daily hour of television that people watch is associated with an 8% increase in developing depressive symptoms. Although many people report a lack of time as a major barrier to exercise and knowledge and other good things, the average American adult spends over four hours a day watching television. But they don't have time for exercise or learning. Analysis of over 30 years of U.S. national data shows that spending time watching television may contribute to viewers' happiness in the moment, but in the long term, the effects are not good. 30 years of study. In these studies, participants reported that on a scale from zero, dislike, to 10, greatly enjoy TV watchers was nearly an eight. Despite these high marks, it seems that the enjoyment from television was short-lasting and gave way to deep discontentment. What was found is that unhappy people glue themselves to the television 30% more than happy people. Unhappy people report watching 25 hours of television a week while happy people set for an average of 19 hours. These results held even after taking into account education, income, age, and marital status. This data from 30,000 adults led the authors of this study to conclude that this, these findings. Still with me? Here's the findings they concluded. TV doesn't really seem to satisfy people over the long haul the way social involvement does. We looked at eight to ten activities that happy people are engaged in, and for each one, the people who did those activities more like visiting others, going to church. This is psychology today. Going to church is listed. Those things and those people were more happy. TV actually was an activity that showed a negative relationship. Unhappy people did it more and happy people did it less. The data suggests to us that the TV habit may offer short-term pleasure at the expense of of a long-term malaise. Let's stand this morning. I was thinking that learning, which is part of our training for reigning, learning should be kind of like banking money. That we should, no matter what's going on, have a savings account. Yes? And we should, no matter what's going on, devote some of our time to learning. Devote time to learning because it will be a seed that activates reciprocity, the law of sowing and reaping, and it will come back to you with a harvest that will blow you away, a harvest that will be so rich. And I'm telling you this morning 
that ambition within you to learn, to excel, to go, to grow, to continue and to move forward, that's not to be quenched. That's not the enemy. That's not the devil. That's not pride. You're a born-again believer. That is the Spirit of the Lord within you saying there's more for you. Keep going. There's more for you. Keep going. Keep learning. Keep looking. Keep depositing seeds of life within you because there's more for you. And there's more in the field that you love. And the field that you love, you are not frustrating the Holy Spirit. You're not making God mad because you're studying something other than the Bible. Yes, know the Bible. Yes, read the Word. Know the Word. Yes, soak up those devotions. But know that He is so excited about your look your search, your research into every field and the fields that you love the most. He put that within you and He wants you to explore it with all of your heart. Would you bow your heads this morning as we close? Lord, we just release right now on this auditorium, on young people, on every person, The confidence that the ambition of learning is from you. The ambition to grow is from you. The ambition to excel is from you. The desire to become, to even see that reigning in life is the... 